Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 281 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show has been a software engineer, a consultant, a software architect, and a startup founder, managing to raise venture capital investment six times. He has also authored several books on software and business, including the recently released Average Joe, Be the Silicon Valley Tech Genius. So it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Sean Livermore. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me. Sean, obviously, that's very much a, a very quick snapshot, and we'll go into your, your career a bit further. But could you maybe give us a bit of an insight into what you're up to at the moment? Currently, I run a software consultancy in Southern California called Product Perfect. You can look us up at productperfect.com. And we transform enterprise uh, legacy environments into modern systems and software. I live here in Southern California with my wife and two daughters and love writing and uh, working on tech products and creating value for clients. Right. And just, just on, the, on the, um, the business side, how long have you been doing that? Well, I've been in IT for 21 years. And I think the last, uh, well, the first half of my career was trying to be a consultant, but ending up just being a normal developer. And the next 10 years or eight years or so, uh, I ventured into the startup world and raising money and so forth. And right. uh, then that now the th final, or I shouldn't say final, the third chapter is coming back to consulting again. Now that I'm in my 40s, I think people finally think I'm an adult and will hire me to to build quality work for them. So <laughs> it's funny how okay. that works. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Good. Okay, Sean, can you share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? Right, Phil, I think career-wise, it's very critical when you're when you're starting out and then even in the intermediate zone of your IT career that you really become very selective about what companies you apply to work at or that you work with you know working at a crappy uh, cubicle farm dusty cubicle kind of culture can suck the life out of your body i mean you can literally be suffering <laughs> in the information technology industry, which is meant to be an exciting and fun place, right? You could turn it into a, a just a, a horror story. It, it can be absolutely dreadful. And so make sure that you, you love the people you work for. Le everything rises and falls with leadership, as they say. And so you want to make sure you're following a CEO and you're, you're walking after a vision and a goal that is worthy, worthy of your time, worthy of your energy, worthy of your heart. The other thing I'd say is keeping keeping very close uh, to your family in the in the process. Don't jump on a plane and and pursue that big job if your family hates you. Right? Th those are very important factors to keep in mind. Indeed. So, in in terms of the, the the company side, obviously you need to really understand that before you join a company as best you can. Anyway, so what do you advise people to do to try and understand the culture of a company? I think proximity to greatness. I think you have to get around the right people, and you'll figure it out. I, I, I've Worked with a lot of people. Some of them got me in touch with the publisher where I wrote a few books for and, and ended up writing this book, Average Joe, 
which is all about how anyone in or around the tech industry can become the myth of the tech genius. And when I say the myth, it's like this, this idea of a tech genius that, that we sort of love and hate at the same time. You know, this person who has magic dust or this, you know, unknowable capability like the Elon Musk's out there and the Steve Jobs where they just kind of walk on water and they, they can wiggle their pinky and create value. Right. And so how do you become that? Well, you can't because it's not real, but actually the book does teach you how to become it, even though it's not real. <laughs> so coming back to the point I was making, the, the, the people that I got in touch with at some of my clients, at some of the better clients and projects, they were the ones that were writing books. They were one, the ones that were going places. And I, I learned how uh, to become a part of their world rather than trying to fit them into my world, right? So proximity is really key. Yes, that's a very good point. Yep. Okay, Sean, can you share with us your worst career moments and what you learned from that experience? Oh gosh, we're taking hours. There's so many of them. I, I would say, you know, like the like anyone in IT, I've made my share of mistakes. I think there was one moment where I was on a project. I was young in my career, punching over my weight, as they say, and uh, trying to be a consultant when I was in my 20s, early 20s. And how do you do that, right? I mean, I. I can barely spell the word. I mean, it wasn't realistic, but I was doing the best I could. I had a young family, you know, hustling in life. And I was asked to sit down and fix a bug. And the project manager was there. Four or five team members were there. And they just said, well, can you just jump in and, and fix it real quick? And it was in SQL Server. I don't know if I have any data guys out there, any software developers that love database development. Shout out. So I was sitting down to fix a stored proc and it, you know, there was like this create table statement and they said, Oh, you just need to add a, a temp table. And I, I was like, Oh, no problem. And my, I was just feeling the pressure of everyone watching me code. Have you ever had people hovering and you, they're just watching your syntax and you're like, Oh, please don't stop it. And I just went blank. I couldn't remember the syntax for freaking create table, you know, with the columns and the values. And I totally went blank. I just kind of shook my head like, I can't remember. And they all looked at me like I was a total idiot, you know, and I had to back out of the chair and let my buddy Babu, you know, who came in and he fixed it up for us. And uh, it was quite humiliating, but I memorized it later and never let that happen again. But um, word to the wise, don't let people hover while you code. It's just not a good practice. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I haven't necessarily experienced that myself, but I've definitely seen it. And mm, yeah. It is uncomfortable even to watch from the outside. Yeah, it really is. Awkward. <laughs> okay. And so moving away from your worst moment, can you share with us your career highlights? I have a few, but I think one I'm really proud of is going through as a startup founder, creating a product, creating a, a brand, and going through the Techstars program, the Business Accelerator and then walking through the pitch process. And, you know, I'm not good at a lot of things, but it, when it comes to pitching, I've pitched 130 times and I've raised money six times. And while you might say, well, that's awesome. Well, actually it's kind of terrible. <laughs> you know, it, they say, if you're pitching a lot, you're doing it wrong, right? You should be able to raise money quite easily if the product is calibrated properly and the team's right and the, and the industry you're after is right. It should be just a, a seamless, fluid experience. But you know, for a determined person who's very stubborn and believes in something that not everyone believes in, it's like uh, the Zero to One a book by Peter Thiel. He says, what is your contrarian belief? You know, what is the one thing you believe to be true that is hard to prove that not a lot of people agree with you upon, right? That, that 
that contrarian belief is very critical. So I had my own contrarian belief in, in my thesis. And I, anyway, very proud of the, the pitch that I gave at, at Demo Day on Techstars. I stood on the stage, the spotlight was on, and we crushed it. It was a beautiful pitch. Now, did we raise money in that moment? No. Did anyone come flocking and throw their wallets on the stage? No. But we created magic in that moment. And I believe that in my fingertips at that moment, I don't know, you could say the Holy Spirit was upon me or <laughs> whatever you believe, but there was this moment of euphoria that is kind of amazing, you know, kind of one of those, wow, it, no matter what, I could go to the grave and be satisfied at this moment uh, in a career sense, right? Family aside and all that aside. But that was pretty awesome. And, and I think the, the, the animations we did in the PowerPoint, pretty amazing. I think other than that, when you do a DocuSign and you raise your first round of funding, you know, you, you kind of sit back and in your chair and you're like, wow, we did it. You know, we, we, we started something big, something big just happened in my life. You know, that that's a real moment as well. Indeed. Yeah. I mean, sometimes obviously those presentations are as much to get noticed, aren't they? And make people aware of who you are, um, as opposed to actually, as you say, getting people to throw their wallets onto the stage. Yep. It's true. Getting the name out there. And I think also the process, you know, even if you want to get the word out there about your startup or about your project or about your, your, your ambition or whatever the dream is getting out there and pitching and practicing that pitch and learning how to pitch and learning how to communicate, which is kind of why I wrote the book too, is it's all about articulation. If you can learn to crystallize and what we call the, the sustainable mystique triad in chapter 10 is this ability to crystallize your messaging around your subject matter and the inflections that you derive out of the clay that your hands have been forming, right? The, the, whatever it might be, the, the, the clay is there. You're already in it, right? And if you learn how to move the data from your brain out of your mouth into their ears, it, it is a true victory because there's so much happening, right? There's so many details. And, and us data nerds, you know, we get so caught up and we stumble all over the place on all the information. And, and it's very important to be able to matriculate, aggregate, and culminate so that other people can join you in that excitement. And that itself is a 20-year skill. And so putting that into, into a shape that people are, can consume, very critical. And presumably practicing that and potentially refining it and retesting it is, is part of that process? Absolutely. Iteration. It's it's just like code or anything else. you got to work the bugs out of your speech. You know, I remember uh, hearing and learning about Winston Churchill. He triple spaced all his writings so that he can go back three times <laughs> over the same, you know, document and they would obsess. He would just obsess over it. Of course, that's to the extent, to the extreme, right? But you also have collectors, collectors like Abraham Lincoln, who in his hat, you know, he would carry scraps of paper that, that he would write upon and all of his little Apple notes, if you will. And then he would refine and revise and, and pull them out and rearrange them on the desk. And then he would go out and speak to the crowd. And so we can carry around in our back pocket the visions and dreams and, and the workings of our magic and the, the scraps. And I, I think iterating upon the scraps and, and pulling them together and, and fashioning them is, is quite critical for any leader, number one, but also in the tech industry, number two, because you're already doing the work, you know, you're already learning the frameworks, you're already keeping up on all the code. I mean, it's a very challenging place to be 
because everything changes every couple of years, right? So if you're not in the cloud, well, you're, you're out of it, man. You got to know how to Azure works and AWS and all the Kubernetes and all these DevOps, you know, that's in 2020, what's coming in 2025. I mean, yeah. Right. So exactly. Yes. Okay. Which leads us nicely onto the next question, actually. So what excites you about the future of the industry and careers in IT? Yeah, I'm really pumped to be in technology. I think this is the place to be right now. And never has there been a better time to join the technology industry. Of course, it's riddled with buzzwords and, you know, skill sets. I think if you go onto any of these freelancer websites and type in a skill, you're going to see like 1800, literally 1800, because I counted one time, we, we actually pulled out all the skills in my last startup, and we looked at them. And now it's probably over 2000, at least of, of different technical, either syntax languages, frameworks, or, or technologies. And you can't know them all, but, but it's exciting to know that things are, you know, they, they disperse and they, they, they separate and then they culminate and come back together again, kind of like an hourglass, an endless hourglass. And I, I believe that right now there's a lot of convergence. There's a lot of M&A activity and you're going to see a lot of things coming together under the Facebook platform and the Google platform, the Apple platform and the Microsoft platform and so forth. But then eventually that will branch off, see what the Biden administration does with regard to breaking up big tech, as they say. (laughs) I don't think that'll happen, but I'm excited about the endless opportunity there, there really is a point in any direction in the tech field. I was telling my daughter in college, I was like, you know, there's so much opportunity. You just pick, I mean, you want to get into data. Great. DevOps. Awesome. You know, design, wonderful mobile apps. Great. You know, holographic equipment. Great. Go for it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's so so many possibilities on there. Mm. And the money's still flowing. I mean, you know, we haven't even begun talk about automotive transport, you know, the, the hyperloop and everything, it's going to continue to evolve. And it's a, it's a great place to be. It is. Yeah, good. Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round. Now we're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think Are you ready for this? Yep, let's do it. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? Yeah, so I used Yahoo to uh, get started in my career I was like, 19, 20 years old, something like that. And um, I typed in highest paying uh, professions without a college degree. And there was no Google back then. And software development came up. And so I looked into it and I wrote my first line of code and the, the screen popped up in Visual Basic 5, I think. And a little message box popped up, hello world. And I said, oh my God, I just created something magical, you know, and, and the dopamine fired in my brain and I was hooked. And that that attracted me. What is the best career advice you've ever received? Go back and get your degree, which I did, and uh, business degree. And and the second best advice would be go for it. I was uh, hesitant at launching a consulting company, and uh, a more experienced consultant had given me advice of saying, "Hey, listen, listen to me real cl- uh, carefully." He looked me right in the eye and gave me a stern father's command, go for it. And it, it sunk into my soul and kind of burned into my brain that I have what I need. And um, that really helped. So get around people <laughs> that'll, that'll tell you, you know, to, to start walking on water and, and chastise you for not going for it because you, you learn by doing, right? Yeah, you do. 
What is the worst career advice you've ever received? Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe someone has told me in the past to uh, that I need to fall in line, and I don't. I don't really fit. Um, I'm more of an entrepreneur, hence uh, running a software company and and you know piercing the veil of the nine to five work week. I just or work day. I kind of feel like sitting in a cubicle and punching a, a time card. My dad had the same company for 30 years. You know, I, I don't think that's me. Right. So I, I think when people tell you fall in line and Hey, you need to, you need to jump on a plane like the rest of us and leave your family all week long. And I know I said no to that and, and I'm glad I did. So. Yep. If you to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? I would get an internship. If I was 21, 22 coming out of college and I, and I was just trying to get started, I would get an internship at uh, Microsoft, Facebook, Google, or Apple, or Amazon. I would yes. do it for free. I would say, just put me in a, in a laptop somewhere in the kitchen. Don't, you know, I've, I've worked in some odd places as a consultant. You know, they actually put me in a kitchen one time next to a refrigerator that had a real humming sound like bzzz, all day long. And I'm <laughs> typing on this little Toshiba uh, laptop, hovering over it with no other screen with the buzzing sound. And I thought, oh God, I got to get out of here. But I would take an internship and I would get into the biggest, most progressive tech company I can get into and uh, find a way to build up my rapport so that when I leave that after four or five years, getting a real job there and then moving up the ranks as best I can, I can launch out with 10 or so other companions from that company and raise money and successfully calibrate the next 20 years of my career. That is the, a very strategic place to begin because if you start in a company that is not big enough, they don't have the deep enough pockets, they don't have the right cultural values. And I'm not saying the large companies do. A lot of the large companies have got it all wrong. They're hiring PhDs because they think that that's going to change everything. Well, it doesn't, you know, it, in my opinion, and the, the data doesn't show that hiring all PhDs, nothing wrong with having a PhD. And if you have one out there, good for you. That's a lot of work, but it doesn't mean that everyone you hire has to have a PhD, you know, um, anyway, it's a whole nother conversation, but I would say jump into the biggest company you can, don't worry about the money and get into the most dynamic team possible, working on the most state-of-the-art product possible. And then you can walk away from that saying, I helped build the next holographic iPhone or the next, you know, whatever fill in the blank here. And people look at you like, wow, you must, you must be the next thing. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? Building my software consultancy firm. Yes. And, and daily working through the rigor of methodically setting up processes that, that allow growth to take place in the future. What's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Learning how, if I could venture to say, learning how to speak better and learning how to articulate my thoughts and opinions and ideas. Not to say that I do today, I have a long way to go, but... But coming from where I was to where I am now, communication is everything. I repeat, yes. communication is everything. You can be the best developer. Nobody cares. If they can't understand you or if they don't like you, you're not going anywhere, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, when you say speak better, presumably you are talking about how you communicate the words you use. 
I believe it has to do with the topics that you engage in, the people you're talking to, and every word that is crafted out of your mouth. And I think there are a lot of great examples of people who are, are saying the right things, but they have the wrong audiences. I think there are other examples of people who have the, the right person in front of them, and they're serendipitously connected to some really amazing, talented coworkers or um, co-founders, but they're, they're barking up the wrong tree and their, their calibration is off. And so to take a step back and to record yourself, if you really want to know how, where you're at, this is going to terrify you. Okay. Beware. What I'm about to say is going to freak you out. Okay. Go into your iPhone and go, and go open the app voice memos. Okay. Oh yeah. He's going there. Hit the record button and record yourself. Every meeting, every, every conversation, just record everything. And on your ride home or walk in the park or whenever you have spare time, hit play and listen to yourself. You will cringe. You will fall over and put your hands on your head in absolute horror and say, I'm a total freaking idiot, right? What was I, why did I say that? What, why, right? Everyone. And, and it's okay. It's okay that we need to improve in our speech. Even now, I'm going to record myself and listen to myself and shriek. Why did I say it that way? You know, and because the next time you get on the, on the phone or in the meeting or in the zoom, you're going to slow down. Your head's going to stop moving around. You're going to look people in the eye and you're going to speak a little slower, a little more methodically. And they're going to look at you like, wow, I like that guy or that gal, you know, she's amazing. And all you did was self-curate, was self-refine, was self-improve, but it's very, very painful to go through that. It it is definitely yes. Okay, and what do you do to keep your own career energized? I do what I love. I, I build software for clients that care, and if if a client doesn't care, I drop them and I move on to a different client. Uh, but if a client cares about what they're building and what they're they're interested in, um, it, it makes it worthwhile and worthy. And I think meaningful work in the technology profession is found by pursuing meaningful projects. And that seems very simple and obvious, but, but it's not because you can have a project come to your desk that is not meaningful. What do I mean? Well, it, it, it is simply to um, perform code, we call it code monkey services, where you're just, they've already figured out the problem. They've already got a solution. They just need you to type into a keyboard. Well, that offers no value, right? So I try to avoid those projects. Of course, you got to pay the bills, but I do believe that there is a, a difference between principled work on meaningful topics and non-principled work on non-meaningful topics. Yes. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? I love kayaking. Uh, getting out toward any body of water is wonderful. I'll probably die that way. You'll find my body, you know, on the shore somewhere and they'll say, oh, he was a good guy. He, he loved C sharp and his, ch his children well and his wife. But, uh, besides for kayaking and, and hanging out outdoors, I, I think, um, you know, mental health walks and, and love baseball and, and 49ers fan on the football scene and, uh, spending time with the family. Yeah. And, Sean, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career energizer audience? Yeah, I think, uh, one, read the book, Average Joe. It'll help you it'll, for wherever you're at, either beginner, intermediate, expert. It'll, it'll help you refine and polish and also encourage you and 
recalibrate your thinking for the tech in- industry and tech community. And number two, I would say pursue something. If you're not pursuing anything, if you're not looking at your pla- your career in a in a sense of plateaus where you're going from your early years to your mid years to your later years, then you're missing out because a lot of people are looking for you to jump into that next plateau, right? And um, LinkedIn is a great place to start looking at what everyone else is doing and and learning from them. And I think pro- being proximal, getting in the room with the right people who amaze you. If, you. if you're not working with people where you're the dumbest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room, right? You, you really you want to get with people yeah. who who amaze you and who you learn from. Yep, that's very true. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? Sure. I'm on LinkedIn at Sean Livermore. I have the website averagejoetechgenius.com for the book. Uh, the framework we we have in the book it has a website called slowcreate.com. And then the software company that I run, most importantly, is productperfect.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Pants. Great. Sean, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you, Phil. Have a wonderful day. Hi, Phil here again. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with today's guest. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com e and the number of the episode you've been listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do so that you get episodes automatically downloaded to your device every Monday. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.